Apparently he's walking around today, so be warned, okay? Why don't you stretch out a hand? Let's just pray for Dave. Father, I thank you for Dave. And I thank you for the word that's just been birthed in him today. And Lord, I pray you'll just anoint him afresh as he comes to speak your word. And God, that it would just touch our hearts and transform us. Lord, we want to be a changed, molded people. So we pray through your word today, you'll mold us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it sounds like I'm on. So, hallelujah. Amen. Wow. <laughs> Glory. Well, if you excuse me, I've got to get used to this. This is the first time that I've spoken in this environment. And so I've got to get used to this uh, new surroundings down here to be able to speak a little bit. So it's the first time I've been down here, so bear with me uh, this morning for that change. The other thing that you need to be aware of uh, particularly is that this is the first time that I've shared on a Sunday morning since I was out in Uganda. And being out in Uganda, the people there uh, expected me to speak for three hours. <laughs> so... Jay's got, I don't know whether it's six fingers up or something like that, but I'm trying to contain this within half an hour. There are a few people that will get up and jump around and shake, or if it goes longer than that, I've been told. Um, Lee has threatened to take the clock down from the wall and to, to make sure that, uh, that I know the time. So I'm trying to do something a little bit different today of keeping it within a shorter period of time. So bear with me on that. But on the day of Pentecost that uh, Lee has mentioned today already, uh, there was a sermon, there was one sermon, and 3,000 lives were changed that day. Now, my experience has been so often that there will be 3,000 sermons and only one life is changed. I would like to say just a word today and for your life to be changed. It doesn't take thousands and thousands of words to do that. I would just like to be able to say one. I'd just like to be able to say one word and to be able to sit down and if God was going to change it. Um, and so it's not in the length of what is spoken. It's that God igniting that, that little spark, and to be able to bring just change and transformation. So turn with me, either in your hard copies of your books or on your electronic copies, uh, to God's word. I want to look at Philippians chapter 3 and verses 7 to 14. Philippians 3, verses 7 to 14. But whatever were gains to me, Paul writes, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know God. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow obtaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it. Not that I've already obtained it all. Or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting all that is behind me and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying here that there is nothing worth more than knowing God. That is his goal, is knowing God. Everything is worthless. Everything is rubbish. I think the Greek word for garbage that was used there, which is probably an American term, is probably quite something which is much stronger than that and far filthier. It's absolutely rubbish. It stinks. Anything that he had wasn't worthwhile compared with knowing God. And this knowing God is not just an intellectual knowledge. I might have shared with you before, the word is gnosko. It's a word which is not just an intellectual knowledge. It's a word which has got to do with intimacy. It's a word which means intimacy. Right at the very beginning, Adam and Eve. Adam knew Eve. He was intimate with Eve. You read it again in the beginning of the Gospels. Uh, the story of uh, Mary and Joseph. She knew she was a, a virgin. She knew no man. It's that intimacy. It's not an intellectual knowledge. And what Paul is talking about here is something which is more than an intellectual knowledge. We need to know to allow what is in our head or what comes in our ears to come down into our hearts and to change us and to transform us. It's that sort of knowledge which is transformational. It's a progressive knowledge. It's an inception which goes on and on and on. Paul's saying here, I don't know everything about God, but I'm pressing on to know more and more about him. And that's my heart for you today. That's my heart for myself. That we would press on more and more into knowing God and knowing him more and more and more. It's a progressive knowledge. Paul says that he's not obtained it. He's not arrived at his goal, but he presses on. And the word that I would share with you today, it's a journey. I press on towards the goal. Can I encourage you to press on towards that goal? And part of that goal is knowing God. Knowing God. So what is this goal? I'm saying to you this morning, I think it's the journey. It's not so much the destination, it's not so much where are we going that's important. 
When I first became a Christian, my whole concern was that where was I going when I died? What was my destination? I might have shared with you that I looked at my uh, uh, lifeline on my hands and I was trying to work out when I would die. And I looked and found that I had two hands and they told two different stories. So which one was I to believe? My goal was where was I going to go when I die? That was my goal. And to some extent, that was the reason that I became a Christian, because I wanted to go to this place called heaven, so often we call it. But as I've grown in my Christian faith, it's more about knowing God. And my goal has been, not that I'm going to go, that that is certain, that is assured. And what I've realised is heaven's upon earth and it's here and now. Bless the Lord. The kingdom of God, which is what I shared with when I was out in Uganda, to the Ugandans, was all about the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. And I got a bit excited. And uh, I must say that I went changing around the room and going wow and cheering at one time, more than once probably. They thought that I was very funny. (laughs) But the key was all about the kingdom of God and it was here and now and it was so excited to share about them. And so knowing God is important. Knowing God is what we press on to. So it's not so much the destination, whatever that might be. We need to enjoy the journey, the travelling, the moving, the going on with God in the here and now. It's the journey. Jesus' first words to the disciples were, come, follow me. That's what his first words were, come and follow me. And he says the same thing to us today. Will we be followers of Jesus? Will we go on the journey with him? Will we walk with him, disciples of Jesus? There are a lot of people who have come in and have taken that intellectual knowledge. They have made a decision in their head. They have said the prayer. They've asked Jesus into their heart, whatever you might like to call it. And they've stayed there. And Jesus has said, come and follow me. God is on the move Jesus is on the move. Are we on the move? Are we going with him? Are we walking with him? Or is he moving off and we're staying still? It's a journey. It's a journey and he says, come with me. Come and follow me. The disciples wanted to know where Jesus was. He says, come and I'll show you where I am. Come with me. He wanted to be with him. He called his disciples that they might be with him. He doesn't want to be going on the journey and leaving us behind. He wants us to walk the journey with him. And you know that as the disciples walked the journey with Jesus, they came to know more and more about God. They never got it all in the three years that they were with Jesus. But it was a start. It was a start of their journey. And there was a progression. Are we on that journey with Jesus? The call is the same for us today. We are to follow him on the journey. And he has something wonderful and marvellous in store for us. You know, it was wonderful hearing about the journey that many of you had taken to come at the beginning of the Hope Church when we did the 10th birthday, to hear how you'd come from Greenford, You'd gone into the school and you'd come down here. It was a journey. You'd, you, you'd actually travelled a journey. You may not have gone very far, but it was a journey. But now you've arrived down here, this is not the destination. 
This is not the end. This is just part of that ongoing journey. Where is God going to take us? Whether it's somewhere different or whether it's not, what is the journey? We are on a journey. And the stories you told of the 10 years that you'd been on that journey, some of you, was really encouraging. But we are to continue on the journey. Are you involved in the journey? Are you involved with following Jesus? Are you content to be where you are? The children of Israel, when they wandered around in the desert for 40 years, they were to go over and cross the river Jordan and to go into the promised land. But they could have stayed on the other side of the river. But they had to take that journey and go through the promised land. And God's saying to us, we are not to stay. We're not to be content where we are, as it were. We thank God for where we are, but we're on a journey and we're moving on and we're traveling on. Now, those of you who've had young children uh, will probably find this little story very familiar. When Ruth and I were very often traveling down to uh, Cornwall or to Devon, down to my parents, and we had this journey. When I started the journey, uh, traveling down there, it took usually about seven hours. I can do it in about four and a half now, but it was a long journey. And any of you that have been on a long journey down to Cornwall or to Devon with children will know that one of the things that they are saying, are we there yet? Are we there? Whenever you, can, you can drive out the road and they're saying, are we nearly there? Have we arrived yet? When are we going to get there? I'm fed up with the journey. I'm fed up with being in this car. Are we there yet? You may have traveled in this country, you may have traveled on, on the continent where it may be a longer journey. And the children are always saying, are, you, are we there yet? And some of us are still like little children. We're saying, are we there? Because we want to get to the destination. But there's something in the journey. For our 25th wedding anniversary, we decided to do something completely different for, to celebrate it. We decided that we were going to spend three, nearly four weeks traveling through the States along the line of the Rocky Mountains. We'd never done that before. We never traveled like that in the States, so it was completely new. We were completely unknown. And so we set out on a journey. About 5,000 miles, I think, we drove in that time. And we did right the way down from, the, from Canada, right the way down through the Rockies, down to the Great Canyon, up the west coast of uh, America and back again. But it was a journey. It, it wasn't that we were going to any particular, one particular place. It was a journey that we went on. And every five years since then, we have done a similar type of journey. Not as big as that, but it hasn't been to a destination. We, we aren't going to a particular place. We enjoy, and we, we enjoy the journey. We did Colorado and circled right the way around Colorado, the Rocky Mountains there. We did the same sort of thing again in uh, North Canada and went in the Canadian Rockies and went did a big journey. It's the journey that we enjoyed. We enjoyed the journey, not arriving at one particular destination. And we've done a similar sort of thing when we've traveled in the continent. 
It used to be a bit of a drag driving all the way down to the south of France to see Ruth's relatives and be with them. And you think driving hundreds and hundreds of miles, it was a bore, it was terrible, it was hot. But we started making the journey as part of our holiday. Uh, and have you done the same sort of thing? We will make the journey a part of a holiday. You might have done it in this country as well. Let's enjoy the journey. Don't let it be a burden. Don't let it be a problem. Let's enjoy the journey. And so God's saying to us this morning, as we're on this journey with him, let's enjoy the journey, not to feel that we've got to get to a particular destination. It's not the destination. It's a round trip, as it were. It's a journey. And as we talked about Pentecost earlier on, you may recall that Phil was speaking down here on the Pentecost Sunday. And he spoke to us from 1 Corinthians 13 about faith, hope, and love. And he said that faith and love were on either side of hope. Hope we are in the middle, as it were. And we've got faith and we've got love on either side. It was like two legs walking Two legs walking on the journey. There are two legs for hope. There is faith and there is love. If you came away from that morning with the idea that the goal of Hope Community Church was to complete a building extension here with people in some sort of upper room, 120 people, in a building, with a building extension. If you thought that was the goal, then I think you've missed the whole point of what Phil was saying. Our goal is not to do a building extension. Personally, I don't think, from a personal point of view, I don't think God is interested in us having a building extension here. His interest in us is us having the faith for whatever he wants. It's the faith that, Paul, uh, that Phil was trying to share and get through. It's the faith for what God wants to do. It's faith that he was talking about. The bricks in the wall at mortar count for nothing. The faith is what God is saying to us. And he wants to take, to take us on a journey of faith and love. It's faith and love working together. The faith for something like that to come into being. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9 says this, so that we make it our goal to please him. What is the goal? What is our goal? Our goal should be what is it that pleases him? We as a church need to be thinking, what is it that's pleasing God? As individuals, do we ask ourselves, what is Am I, what am I? How am I pleasing God? What is it that God wants that will please him? How can I please God? Make it our goal to please God. And Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. So we need faith in order to please God. If our goal is to please God, then we need to have faith, and it's faith in him. Is faith in him. Do we really believe God? Do we really? It says you've got to believe in God. You've got to believe that he exists. Is it head knowledge? Or is it something that comes and transforms 
and changes us. Do we really know God? This knowing God is more than that intellectual knowledge. It's the same word as we talked about. It's gnosko. It's the same word as we mentioned earlier, that Paul mentioned earlier. And we've got to know that he exists. Some of you may have come across John Thor, the actor. I grew up with him. I show my age. Uh, the Sweeney, I remember him from the Sweeney. I remember him from Kavanagh QC. Uh, in more recent years that some of you remember, I remember him in Morse. John Thor, he died. My immediate reaction is, oh, John Thor's died. I know him, I've got to go to his funeral. Ruth and I were, my first reaction was, you know, I will need to go to his funeral because I know him. And then I realised, no, I didn't really know him. I'd seen him on the television. I knew him as an actor. I thought I knew all about but I didn't really know him. I knew all about him and I thought, I'm not going to be invited to his funeral after all. Uh, and I wonder sometimes whether the same thing happens with God or with Jesus. We've read about him. We might have seen pictures which look like him. People talk about him. And we think we know him. But we don't really know him. We haven't an experience about him. We never... It's, it's all a theory. It might not even be a theory. Do we really know God? Do we believe that he exists? Does it make a difference in our lives? Does it change us? Does it transform us? Or are we just knowing about God? Is it an intellectual knowledge? I knew. I thought I knew John Thor. I've been up to Mr. Tom. Good night, Mr. Tom, or something like that, was it? It did up, up in the children's where that film, and I thought... I've been there, I've been to his place, and I thought, no, I don't really know him. But I know God. I've experienced God. It's been a revelation. It's been an outworking. It's more than just a theoretical thing in my mind. It's a reality. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, For we live by faith and not by sight. And faith is a key component with our walk with God. In Genesis 5, there's a whole list of names of people. And you can read them. It says there was so-and-so and so-and-so, and and he lived so many years, and he died, and he had these children. And they said, he lived, and he died. He lived so many years, and he died. But when it came to Enoch, it said he lived, and he walked with God, and he died. Same thing applies with Noah as well, that he lived, he had a family, but it says he walked with God. And it would be great if we were people that could put that on our epitaph, as it were, or we known as people that lived, but they walked with God. Walking with God, these saints of old that walked with God. What of us? Or can we be commended as people who walk with God? Turn with me to Luke 24. It's a story of the road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24. Some of you will be familiar with it. It was on that first day of Pentecost. There were the two disciples who were walking back to Emmaus. And they were very downhearted. 
And this man came along and started walking with them. And they, as you do when you meet with someone, whether it's at a bus stop or you start talking with people, and they started talking with this person. And he said, why are you so downhearted as you walk along this journey? And they shared with him about what had happened, that Jesus, who they thought was the Messiah, who was doing wonderful things and all sorts of things. And, and they said, he's died, and we're not certain whether he's the right person and he was the right man, quite where they were. And they walked and they talked and they discussed things with each other. And yes, and Jesus Jesus came along and met with him. And he started talking with them. He started sharing things with them on that walk. He says their faces were downcast. And suddenly they decided that if this man was going to walk on and being the hospitable people they were, they said, why don't you come in and spend the night with us? It's a bit late. We've arrived at our destination. We've arrived at Maus, why don't you stay with us and have a meal? And over the meal, he did, he broke bread. Not, probably not quite like what we did this morning, but he broke bread. And it was a revelation to them. And then Jesus disappeared from their sight. And you know what was the concern of these disciples? They decided that although they were, had arrived at their destination, the destination wasn't important anymore. They turned right the way around and went back. And they went back to tell the other disciples. Because of what was concerning them was that Jesus had been with them on the journey. Did not our hearts burn within us, they said. Because Jesus had been walking with them. And that was the important thing with those disciples on the road to Emmaus. That Jesus was walking with them. Jesus revealed himself to them. And Jesus revealed himself to them in such a way that they forgot about the destination. They returned from where they went. Did not our hearts burn within us on the journey? Let's find ourselves on the journey that our hearts are burning within us. In John chapter 14... Jesus tells his disciples that they know the way. They know the place to where he is going. They know where he's going and they know the way. And some bright spark called Thomas says, but we don't know the way. It did not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says to them, you do know the way because I am the way. Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the way. The way that we're talking about, the journey that we're on about, is the way of Jesus. Jesus is the way. He is the journey. Let's be in the journey with him on the way. Let's go with him. Let's travel with him. You'll find that on the day of Pentecost, and we mentioned that again earlier today, that that was the beginning of another journey with God. That was the beginning. The, the Acts of the Apostles is the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Spirit of God through the Apostles. It talks about a journey. It talks about what happened afterwards. It's all about a journey of these Apostles. And the story that you read in the Acts of the Apostles, the story that you read in the Epistles is the continuation of that journey. It's the journey that they take. What could be said of us about our journey and the journey that we take? The New Testament is about a journey. It's the journey that Jesus took to the cross. It's the journey that he took with his disciples prior to going to the cross. 
And then the rest of the New Testament is the journey of the early disciples. You know, the early disciples were known by name, their nickname. Their nickname was, they are the way, the people of the way. Yes? Jesus is the way. They were people of the way. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we at Hope Down Here were known as the people of the way? We're on the journey. We're on that journey with Christ. We're on that journey, and our goal is to please him. And we're walking by faith, and we're walking by love. But we're on a journey, and we're people of the way. People are called Christians because they did business for Christ. That was where the name came from. We're people who are Christians, but walk on the way. And that way is Jesus. Paul writing to Timothy says this. 1 Timothy 1 verses 4 and 5. He talks to Timothy and encourages him about advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Our goal is to please God. Our goal needs faith. Our goal needs love. Those two legs for hope. A leg of faith and a leg of love. God has been repeatedly speaking to us about love and faith over these last few years. You know, it would be terrible if after all that time and all that God has done that we should miss that which he's been trying to tell us. If God has been speaking to us and repeating time and time again about faith and love, have we got the message? Has the, has the penny dropped? Do you really understand what he's been saying? Has it gone from the head into the heart? In particular, what has he been saying about our move down here? Part of this move down here has been as a result of us needing to get the message about love and about faith. One of the hardest things that I had to do when I went uh, over to Uganda and to teach the pastors over there, one of the hardest things and the, most, the thing that I disliked the most was when I came back and I had to mark the assignments. I brought back almost a hundred assignments for them to be marked. You see, these pastors who'd been with me for these two weeks and with the other couple that I was with, we had to ensure that they understood what was being said. We'd been teaching them for two weeks but did they understand what we've been saying? See, English might not have been their first language. And we were, so we, but we set them questions in English and they had to reply in English. And so we set them 
an assignment to, to see if they understood, to try and find out, did they really understand what we've been saying after all this time? And I found that those assignments were the most difficult to do, to mark. And we've, I've just been floating the idea in some way, in, should, could we in any way have assignments here? Could we, you know, if you've been school, if you've been at school, you have tests, don't you, to, to test your knowledge and understanding of what's been said. Do we have an exam? Perhaps we ought to have an exam in some way. A Hope Community Church exam at the end of the year in which we get assignments and whatnot and we have to answer questions. Can you go back to school to think of those exam times, you know? Um, Uh, well, apparently in, 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 in the school, no one is allowed to fail, you see. So, so I can't work quite out how, how that works, really, you see. But uh, a friend of mine that I met up with a couple of weeks ago, he was out in uh, Kampala, which is the capital of Uganda, and he was there for two weeks with these, these guys, or guys and gals. And um, he started marking the papers over there the weekend, which was a bit more, you know, quite a time sort of thing. And he was, as he was marking them, he realised that they didn't understand what was being said. And I, I was finding the, some of the same sort of thing. The answers were the same on all the paper. You know, you get a paper and all the answers were the same. It was all, and, and I was finding, you think, where has this answer got? It's got nothing to do with the questioner. So we had to go back to these people and say, look, I don't know who's, who's copying who, <laughs> but this is unacceptable. Go away and, and try again. So maybe we've got to have resits, you know? I mean, did you do GCSE reset your exam? So if you, if you, if you fail or something like that, maybe you'll have to resit it. Come back again and resit it. But I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, I can't work out how, how this might work or it might not work or, I mean, it's just an idea. But the idea is, how do we know that you've really understood what God's been saying. And Phil and I and Lee and others come up here and we can teach and we can share and we can tell you things. And you can say, that was wonderful. You can say, that was rubbish and whatnot. But how do we know that you've understood it? And, and, and we, I'm, I, I don't know. It might well be that we might have to do some sort of stuff. I don't know. I, or we can check and test and whatnot. So beware. <laughs> If I, have my, if I have my way, there might be an exam at some point in time, you see, so you don't know. <laughs> but whatever it is, I don't want to mark the papers. The marking of the papers was terrible. I was there trying to find out what on earth has this answer got to do with the question? I couldn't relate the answers to the questions. It didn't seem to bear any remembrance in some time. But you've been down here. What have you learned? You've lost your personal space. You've lost it. You haven't got the personal space. There's no, you know where you can hide anymore. People are in your face. It's so close. It's so tight. You've got to love people. You've got to love people. You're not to remain as an individual. That's one thing. We're not there as individuals. We're not hiding away in some sort of corner, which we could at the school anymore. We don't keep our distance from people. Because they're that close. And if you're sitting on the small chairs, they're closer in some places than they are in others. It's no longer about you and me. It's about us. 
It's about us worshipping together. It's no longer the worship team up there doing it from a distance. We're there. This, this is the worship team. We're the worship team anymore. Have you got the idea? And I see it. I see it in operation. It's we worshipping, not someone out the front distance worshipping. We are worshipping. We're there together. It's us. It's not them out there, you, me, and someone distance. It's not hiding away. You can't hide away anymore. Where can you hide away when you're all packed in this close? You've got to talk to people. I bet there are a large number of you who have talked to someone you've never spoken to before because you've been down here on a Sunday morning. You've got to talk to people because they're there in your face. Even if you've got to say, can you move out the way? Because <laughs> I want to get by. You've got to talk to them. And God's saying, you've got to talk to people. You've got to know people. You've got to speak to people. You've got to share with people. So we've been talking with people that we've never spoken to before. It's us fellowshipping together. It's not hiding away. Are you learning the lesson? It's all about loving people. And some people are more difficult to love than others. Even the sermons are more about us. Are you beginning to realize it's more interactive? There's someone shouting out the back here. I've got a question. I'm a sinner. Someone says, I, I got this is the answer. It's, it's a more interactive. It's there in the midst of us. It's not the preacher out the front up on a big pulpit somewhere remote. It's us sharing together. And that might, I don't know where that's going to take us. It might work, finish up that we will have a more interactive a sermon. But you see that God's changing and teaching us and doing things about faith and love. We're called to love God and to love one another. That's the great commandment. So how can we exercise our faith and our love? Psalm 84 verse 5 says, Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. We're to be a people who are on pilgrimage. We're not to be settlers. We're not to be settling down. And it's a danger that we can come down into this place and we can settle down into our new surroundings and we can get complacent, we can get lethargy, we can do the same old, same old thing. It might well be different, but we do it we different than when we was at the school. But we're, it, we, we get into a new routine down here. When you get into a new rut. And God says, no, you're not to be settlers. You're to be on a journey. You're to be pilgrimage. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Let us be a people today whose hearts are set on pilgrimage whose hearts are set upon a journey. We need to do on that journey. We need to exercise our legs, both our legs. There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. And we need to be prepared for that battle. I, you, so I shared last time, I think, that I'm working through the book of Romans, rewriting my original book that I thought was so wonderful, and now I realise it's a load of rubbish. I'm, 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 I'm there, I'm there, I've just done Romans 7. And you remember the Romans 7, Paul says, the things that I want to do, I can't do, and the things that I'm doing, I don't really want to do. Who can help me? There's this battle going on with Paul. I want to do one thing, but I don't do it. And I'm doing something that I don't want to do. That, that's the sort of battle that's going on. And we've got to exercise ourselves in this battle. We can't sit around and hope that someone else is going to fight it for us. He'd not achieved his goal. He said so there in Philippians that we read earlier. But he was pressing on. You can't become a marathon runner overnight. You've got to practice. So how can we practice developing our strength and our legs and our walking of faith and hope? In these days, 
It will be different for different people. We need to exercise. We need to build up faith. We need to build up hope. And it will be different for every person. And you will need to think of some ways which are appropriate to you. But to start your thinking, can I just whet your appetite on a few things or get you thinking? How can you develop and build up and strengthen your faith? Faith, F-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. Okay? We will need to forsake and trust God in all sorts of ways. We will have to lay aside lots of other things in order that our faith might grow. My trip to Uganda was like that. All I had was a ticket to go out. I didn't know who I was meeting. I didn't know where I was going, apart from a town. Um, it was a journey. I hoped that someone was going to provide me with food and there was somewhere to, to that I could sleep. The first night I arrived, you may remember, the first message that I got, there was no room in the inn. This place didn't have a room for me that night, so we had to find somewhere else. It was a journey of faith. Faith, F-I-T-H, for Southern, it might mean finding another I tell him. How can you trust faith in God by trusting him more? What sort of ways would that apply? Who does God want you to share with about what is happening in your Christian life? Start thinking about that. Perhaps asking yourself, how can I find out what really pleases God? And then put it into practice. Why don't you share it with someone? Perhaps it doesn't relate to us having an exam. Perhaps you can just get someone to share it with and say, can you be accountable? I want to be able to do what pleases God. I want to be able to share my faith. I want to be able to trust him more. And they can be accountable to one another. Ask God to show you one person that he wants you to demonstrate his love through you. Okay? Again, share it with someone and ask them to follow it up with you at a later date. We're on a journey together. Let's not focus so much on where we are going that we miss out on what God wants for us during the journey. God wants to bless us and to give us joy on the journey. Joshua was told when he was to go into the promised land, I will give you every place that you put your feet. We've got to start walking. We've got to start placing our feet on promised land. We're not to go over into the promised land and become Christians who just get into heaven, as it were, and that's it. We've got to go in to possess all God wants for us. And we've got a journey, we've got to walk, we've got to walk. Both feet, both legs. We need to go on that journey. Hebrews 12 and verses 12 to 13 talks about strengthening your feeble arms and weak needs. Strengthening your arms and your legs. We sang in worship today earlier on that we were going to climb this mountain. Holding on to nothing, nothing else. You know that I'm a, I've been a mountain climber. And when you climb mountains, you've got to have three points on the mountain all the time. It's either two hands or two feet. You can't have anything else, otherwise you're going to be falling. 
So if we're going to climb this mountain, we've got to have, we've got to have strong arms and hands and strong feet. You've really got to have strong arms and feet to climb the mountain. And you might have seen recently on the television that you can do a virtual climb of a mountain now. I can't remember what the mountain was, but someone's been up there and photographed it. And so that you can sit in your armchair and you can climb this mountain. God's saying, no, that's not for you. You're not to be armchair mountain climbers. You cannot sit in the comfort of your armchair and your sofa at home and climb the mountain. You've got to go out and do it. And that needs strong arms and strong legs to climb it. It's really hard to climb a mountain. It's really tough. And you need to strengthen your arms and your legs to do that. Strengthen your feeble arms and weak legs. Let's pray into that. Can the worship group come up? And as they're coming up, can I ask you, can you just close your eyes? Can you just place your hands, as it were, on your legs? Place your hands on your legs. Pray for healing of your spiritual legs. Pray God's healing, calm, strengthening my spiritual legs. Just a symbolic act. Jesus spoke to that person at the well at Bethsaida. You remember he was staying there and waiting for the waters to be stirred. He saw this man here. And he asked him a stupid question. Do you want to be well? Do you want to get well? I'm asking you that question this morning. God's asking you this morning. Do you want to get well? Do you want to know healing on your legs so that you can walk this walk? Do you want to have strong arms and strong legs to be able to walk up that mountain? Pray for God to come and pour his strength in. Pray that he will enable you this morning to to pour strengthening into your arms and legs so you can climb that mountain. You can hold on to the rock because you need strong arms and strong legs for the journey. I just had the sense this morning as well that uh, just like that story of a man who came to Jesus, uh, he was brought with four friends and they couldn't get in. It was in a packed room like this. It was just like someone's being carried around and brought into a place. And they have to go up on the roof, you remember? Because there was no room they could get in. And I just sort of sensed that the, the trap door opened here. And God, just, just envisage yourself being lowered down like that man was. The paralyzed man, he couldn't walk. The trap door opened in the roof. And in the midst of it, he was lowered down onto the ground. And Jesus came and healed him. For a man who couldn't walk, he said, get up and walk. Your sins are forgiven. I think of Peter and John on the day of Pentecost. No, I wasn't. It was a few days later. They went to the temple. And they met the blind man, the, the, the beggar there, the paralyzed man. And they said, Silver and gold have I known, but such as I have, I give to you. Get up and walk. Come on, Hope. Get up and walk. Come and rise this morning. Come and get up on your feet. Come and get up on your feet, symbolic of God giving you the strength in your legs, giving you strength to walk upon that journey. If you believe that God wants you to walk, if God wants you to pour his strength in you this morning, I say to you, as Peter and John said, get up and walk. Get up and walk, Hope.